Welcome to Smiling in Hell 2.0, Life After Retirement and Then Some. I'm your host, Larry Peterson. Welcome to Chapter 30. Chapter 30. Where were you when? Okay, so it's been a while since my last literary foray into the world of Smiling in Hell. And and I want to thank all of my faithful readers out there and listeners who have been relentlessly hounding me to release a new episode of Smiling in Hell upon the world. Both of you. Now, not being a professional writer, however, I don't always have the iron-jawed tenacity and simplified dedication needed to pull up to the keyboard and push myself to fill up a blank sheet of paper with words, especially when the much-needed inspiration is pretty dry. Well, I recently read an article from The Art of Blogging about what writers need to do when they don't necessarily hear the creative bells ringing, when it's a real challenge to get the words going. They refer to George Martin, the best-selling author of the fantasy series A Game of Thrones, and, and, and has sold more than 90 million copies worldwide. 90 million copies! That's more than the four that I've had listeners of. And the fact that he still uses a plain old WordStar word processor to do his writing on. Oh yeah, no TV, no email, no social media distractions, no Facebook, no Twitter, no Rumble, no Instagram. Listen, nothing, nope, none of that crap. Now that certainly made sense to me. Now, of course, in in my study, where I usually do my writing, I'm surrounded by possible distractions, including a TV, a tablet that gets all the streaming video services like Netflix, Prime, HBO Max, Disney+, even though I am mad at them, Tubi, Crackle, Pluto, and a bunch more that just are screaming for me to find a useless article of brain fodder to watch. Oh yeah, it's the devil calling. Uh, then there's that bag of magic tricks and instructional videos on how to do sleight of hand that I've played with and enjoy amazing my family and friends with. And the toy squirt guns I hand paint in a retro steampunk fashion along with the comic books, vintage hardbacks, vin- vinyl records, and numerous other items I itemize, price, post, and sell on eBay or Facebook Marketplace. Sold quite a few, but hey, don't quit your day job, right? Oh, wait a minute. That's right. I ain't got one. And that's why when I actually came up with a blog idea to attack, I decided I better jump on it. Now, some of you older readers might remember a great TV show called You Are There. It played from around 1953 to 1972, and I loved it. Walter Cronkite hosted reenactments of historical events like the landing of the Hindenburg, the Salem Witchcraft Trials, the Gettysburg Address, Fall of Troy, and many others. The fond memory of this show triggered an idea. So, in spite of the History Channel's President's Day presidential docufilm marathon, oh, and that new Lincoln bio flick they're showing, I thought I'd take you on a trip down memory lane with my own version of You Are There and ask the titular, <laughs> I, can't, I can't say it without giggling, the titular, <laughs> I can't say it without digging, question, where were you when? And we all have memories of where we were when earth-shattering, provocative, or unbelievable events were occurring. And while many of us were just kids, the memories of these events are, are as vivid as if they were happened only yesterday. So let's revisit some of these historical moments by asking the question, where were you when? Now, even though I had a friend, 
I still do, I guess, who in a very existential fashion expressed once that they found it hard to believe or understand how anything could have happened before they were born. Well, they, they knew that there were books and pictures and films and eyewitnesses and other references to confirm that things like the Civil War actually occurred. But since they weren't around to see it for themselves, they wondered how they knew it really happened. Where were you when? Then we'll only ask about things we were around to experience. So not being around before April 1, 1955, I missed out on the Battle of Bunker Hill although I was in a movie of the same name. Or the Gettysburg Address, or seeing Walt Buffalo Bill's Wild West show, but my grandmother said she remembers seeing him. Uh, the Great Depression, Pearl Harbor, VE or VJ Day, etc. So uh, I'll start this little foray with an event that often gets asked about, where were you when President Kennedy was shot? So as most people know, John Kennedy, the 35th president of the United States, was assassinated on Friday, November 22, 1963, at 12.30 p.m. in Dallas, Texas. He was riding in a presidential motorcade through Dealey Plaza. It was a sad day for our country. Now, where were you? Now, I was an eight-year-old kid attending John Muir Elementary School in Parma, Ohio, when for no apparent reason, our, our teacher, Mrs. Walters, I think it was, was called out of class for a few minutes. And when she returned, she announced that they were canceling class for the rest of the day and that we were to go home. And since I lived right at just a mile from the school, we measured using that car as an odometer once. I walked to and from school every day, rain or shine, snow or ice, heat or cold, uphill both ways, of course. Anyway, we kids gathered our stuff and headed out. Usually I walked with my buddy Timmy O'Keefe since he lived right behind me. So wondering what was going on, we made the journey back to our homes. After about 25 minutes of trekking, yeah, we dawdled. I got home and, and coming into our linoleum and vinyl kitchen, I was surprised to see that my mom had set up her ironing board in there. She was ironing clothes and crying. They sent us home, I said as she looked up at me. Now my mom was a tough little bird. I've seen her slam her thumb in a car door and then play putt-putt. She battled cancer twice, survived breast surgery, and dealt with numerous other not-for-the-weak life challenges, like coaching my brother's Little League team. And I can only remember her crying at my brother's or my father's funerals and other emotional events. So when I came home and saw her crying while eradicating wrinkles out of my underwear, Oh, yeah, she, uh, underwear, uh, socks, pajamas, handkerchiefs, etc. My mom ironed everything. Uh, anyway, needless to say, I was surprised. I recall her putting the iron down, standing up safely, of course, coming around the ironing board to me and, and wrapping me up in a big old motherly hug while she whispered, somebody shot the president. Although I wasn't sure why, I think I started crying with her, even though I, I wasn't a card-carrying Democrat or Republican yet. Heck, I think I was only a card-carrying Boy Scout. But I knew it was bad, and seeing how upset the Iron Lady was, well, it just put me down too. And I seemed to remember standing there with her for a minute or so until she finally asked if I was hungry. That was her go-to question. And went about making an after-school snack, which, of course, gave her a renewed will to live. 
I don't remember what it was, probably one of her almost religiously perfect grilled cheese sandwiches. But after the day, after that, the day becomes a bit of a blur and life went on. But I, I just have to ask, where were you when? An another prime event that often triggers the where were you when query was the first Apollo moon landing. You remember when the astronauts supposedly, I mean, walked on the moon, right? I mean, it was in all the papers. Yep, July 20th, 1969. I was then a 14-year-old kid living in Parma, enjoying a summer vacation full of riding bikes, being gone from, from home from, from morning till evening, playing catch and stickball, Dairy Queen banana splits, pitching baseball cards on the front steps, playing with G.I. Joes, running through the yards after dark, playing war, and basically being a kid. The summer of 69, however, was a little different since I knew it was going to be our last summer in Cleveland. The company my dad worked for had moved his plant where he was advertising manager down to Roxboro, North Carolina, and then they had decided to uh, transfer all the management employees to the area. So we were going to be leaving the mistake by the lake right before I was to start school as a ninth grader, which in those days was the top of the junior high echelon. Kind of like being a senior in high school, but rather than being one of the known big, although I was only like five feet tall, ninth graders at Shiloh Junior High, I was going to be an unknown Yankee at some school in Durham, North Carolina, and I was not looking forward to it. But on the night of July 20th, 1969, it was all excitement and anticipation in most homes across the country, and the Peterson home was no different. We'd been following the Apollo mission since it took off on July 16th and had been really looking forward to a special evening in the living room to watch when they actually landed on the moon. Since it was a very special occasion, I had been allowed to stay up extra late, past 10. And I remember lying on the carpeted living room floor right in front of our fairly new Zenith TV, which I believe had a huge 19-inch screen. Oh, we really did it upright, too, with fresh pop popcorn, you know, the kind you popped in a pot on the stove. No microwave popcorn back then, boy. Oh, and Pepsi's all around. Yeah, pretty exciting night, especially when we heard one small step. Don't you wish something like that would happen nowadays that might actually pull the country together at least a little of course, there were probably hundreds of events that are worthy of the where were you when question, but let's fast forward a few years from the inspiring moon landing to the horrible ter terrorist attack on September 11, 2001. It's hard to believe that that was 20 years ago when the U.S. felt the pangs of a direct external attack, but here again, doesn't it feel like yesterday? especially considering the major changes that were enacted like airport travel regulations and homeland suspicions and rampant nervousness and anxiety and just a little less overall security in our lives. It's not fun, that's for sure. But where were you? I was no longer a young kid in Cleveland, that's for sure. In fact, I wasn't a kid at all, well, chronologically speaking anyway. I was living in Kansas City, Missouri. After years that included practice of marriage, just just didn't take. And eventually a great nuptial experience. Time included moves from Cleveland to Durham to Charlotte to Savannah to Lincoln to Kansas City. 
and there hadn't been the move to our current island of Springfield, Missouri, or my evolution from the 30-ish years in the cable TV business to 8-ish years in the nonprofit world with Habitat for Humanity, and finally to blissful retirement. No, on that scary Tuesday, I was actually home from work in Kansas City, laid up in bed with a bad back. It was always rare for me to take a sick day, so my being home that day was already a bit of an oddity to begin with. Plus, you know, having taken a pain reducer the night before, ew, I was absolutely still conked out when the phone rang around 8 o'clock in the morning, which was around 9 o'clock on the East Coast. My wife, Sherry, answered and waking me up, she gave me the phone. It's your mom, she said. And pulling myself out of the grogginess, I said, oh, hi, mom. Are you watching this? She asked. Watching what? I answered. I'm home fighting a bad back. What's up? Turn on the TV. We've been attacked. So I reached for the remote to turn on the TV, which my wife had purposely kept off along with the radio so I could get some rest, which was why we hadn't heard anything about the attack. Of course, it didn't take long to see the universal coverage of the Twin Towers going down and then the crash on the Pentagon and finally the crash near Shanksville, Pennsylvania. It was unbelievable. Well, of course, like everyone else in the world, we spent the rest of the day glued to the TV. And despite my aching back, which, you know, looking back on it now, was actually a pretty small inconvenience compared to the events of the day. And we were checking in with family and friends. Now, that's not the most dramatic recollection of my where were you when experience, I know, but it is interesting to note that when we recall the events of the day, we appreciate the impact and effect of the experience and, and reflect on how even though the event brought the country together some, I mean, you remember, hey, you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. Uh, we never wanted to go through that again. And that's where I was when. So like I said, these are just a few of the literally hundreds or thousands of events and memorable occasions with which you can use to test your powers of recollection. You know, others that stick out include the Beatles' first appearance on Ed Sullivan, Nixon's resignation speech, and any and all of the assassinations we've seen, and, and, and so much more. But for now, though, let me just say a fond, a muchas gracias uh, to my memory of You Are There. And use the closing line from that classic program. Now, this needs to be read with the best Walter Cronkite voice I can do. And I'll wrap up this episode of Smiling in Hell. What sort of day was it? A day like all days, filled with those events that alter and illuminate our times. And you were there. This is Larry Peterson with Smiling in Hell 2.0 saying goodbye and have a great day.